0: Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit Toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, won't you please politely cop a squat. Welcome to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert, everybody. Let's get... Let's get right to the big story everybody's talking about tonight. It's my dog Benny's birthday. Benny is three. He's three today, which is 21 in dog years, which means he can now legally drink. So I'm going to have to stop letting him drive. (laughs) Seems like it was just yesterday uh, that uh, we met Benny. Here's footage of him just days old, and I want to warn you, IF YOU HAVE SMALL CHILDREN IN THE ROOM, LET THEM WATCH, BECAUSE THIS IS PRETTY... (laughs) THIS IS PRETTY CUTE. (laughs) WHY CAN'T THEY STAY PUPPIES FOREVER? OR EVER STOP EATING THE FURNITURE? TO CELEBRATE, I HAD A CAKE MADE uh, FOR BENNY. Evie AND I WANTED IT TO BE SOMETHING HE LOVED, SO IT'S SHAPED LIKE A STRANGER'S CROTCH. Happy birthday, buddy. Daddy loves you. Now, uh, old Ben might want to stay inside today because it is hot here in the city, but nothing, nothing compared to what's happening across the pond in the U.K., where today they hit a record high of 40.3 degrees Celsius, which in Fahrenheit comes out to... Hold on one second. It's 40... 40. (laughs) THREE TIMES NINE DIVIDED BY FIVE, CARRY THE CADBERRY, PLUS OR MINUS MARY POPPINS, MULTIPLIED BY MINT JELLY, AND THAT IS FIVE SHILLINGS AND A CHRISTMAS GOOSE. THERE YOU GO. DIDN'T, didn't I CAN NEVER MAKE IT. with THAT ONE? I DON'T KNOW. I DON'T KNOW. THE HEAT'S HITTING THE BRITS EXTRA HARD BECAUSE THE BRITS AREN'T USED TO EXTREME WEATHER, AND THE HOUSES OVER THERE, ESPECIALLY OLDER ONES, WERE BUILT TO RETAIN WARMTH. LUCKILY, BRITS CAN KEEP COOL WITH THEIR LIGHT AND REFRESHING CUISINE... (laughs) OF POTTED ORGAN MEAT, BATTERED FISH, AND ROOM-TEMPERATURE BEER. AS A RESULT, THE HEAT WAVES BROUGHT THE UK TO A HALT. TRAINS SLOWED TO A CRAWL. THE BRITISH MUSEUM CLOSED, AND BUCKINGHAM PALACE CURTAILED THE CHANGING OF THE GUARD, AND THE CAST-IRON CHAINS AND PEDESTALS OF THE HAMMERSMITH BRIDGE WERE WRAPPED IN REFLECTIVE FOIL TO SHIELD THEM FROM THE SUN. ON THE BRIGHT SIDE, THAT BRIDGE IS GOING TO HAVE AMAZING HIGHLIGHTS. <laughs> NOW, SINCE we, IS THAT ANYTHING NEW? WHAT HAVE YOU DONE? YOU look FANTASTIC. Now, since people with pale skin and red hair are more sensitive to sunburn, one theater chain is offering Britain's redheads free movie tickets to dodge extreme heat. Though, of course, the best way for British redheads to dodge extreme heat is moving to America. To beat the heat, the government's issuing helpful tips like wear suitable headwear, slow down when it's hot, and at home, wear as little clothing as necessary. But please, please, be careful near the stove. You don't want to accidentally burn your bangers and mash and end up with spotted dick. But it's not just... Why not? Why not? It's a dessert, right? It's a dessert? Okay. Okay. IT'S NOT JUST EUROPE, BECAUSE OVER 100 MILLION PEOPLE IN THE U.S. ARE UNDER HEAT ALERTS. IN FACT, THIS WEEK, NEARLY 20% OF THE U.S. POPULATION WILL LIKELY SEE A TEMPERATURE AT OR ABOVE 100 DEGREES Fahrenheit. REMEMBER WHEN YOU WISHED THAT EVERYBODY WHO DENIED CLIMATE CHANGE WOULD GO TO HELL? (laughs) UNFORTUNATELY, HELL CAME TO US. (laughs) IT'S SO HOT RIGHT NOW IN THE U.S. THAT THIS IS A REAL HEAT MAP of the state of Oklahoma. It is never a good sign when your state looks like a close-up image of an STD. <laughs> but this heat map <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Johnson, uh, the test show you have Tulsa. <laughs> but the heat map does explain the famous song the homo where the sweat goes dripping down your tank. You've got burning grass and bad swamp ass with balls so hot that you can fade. Oh there you go. CDC has released some tips for staying cool during these heat waves, including drink plenty of fluids. Avoid hot and heavy meals. And if your home does not have air conditioning, go to the shopping mall. <laughs> now, you're first going to want to explain to anyone under 30 what a shopping mall was. <laughs> Kids, it was like an Amazon you could walk through and get free samples of chicken teriyaki. <laughs> These. Wow. <laughs> there are chicken teriyaki fans here tonight. The heat is affecting more than people's health here in New York City. The city's odor complaints. (laughs) Have hit an all time high, which is why the Statue of Liberty isn't holding a torch. Now she's lighting a match. (laughs) According to the city. Wow. Wow. According to the city, three one one calls with odor complaints have risen fifty four percent so far this year. You can call the cops on a smell. What are they going to do? You're under arrest. You have the right to remain silent but deadly. (laughs) According to one NYPD officer, the stink is due to a perfect storm of hotter temperatures and abandoned outdoor dining sheds where people are throwing garbage. One restaurant owner said he had to install plexiglass windows and a metal door in his outdoor dining shed after he repeatedly found people sleeping, shooting up, having sex... AND CRAPPING INSIDE. (laughs) THAT IS OUTRAGEOUS! NEW YORKERS ALREADY HAVE A PLACE TO DO ALL THAT. IT'S CALLED PENN STATION. (laughs) BUT ONE MAN... REALLY... ONE MAN WHO IS NOT FEELING THE STINK IS MAYOR ERIC ADAMS, WHO WAS ASKED ABOUT IT AT A PRESS CONFERENCE. THE NUMBER
2: ONE THING I SMELL RIGHT NOW IS POT. IT'S LIKE EVERYBODY IS SMOKING A JOINT NOW, YOU
1: KNOW? uh, You know, everybody has a joint. He's right. He's absolutely right. Everyone is smoking pot in the city. Some of them clearly are smoking it right before getting dressed in the morning. He looks like. The hell is going on? He looks like Morpheus before Labor Day. Or the leader of a Karate Kid themed cult. <laughs> Speaking of odor, former senior presidential advisor <laughs> and star of Mr. Toad's wild DUI, Steve Bannon. After months of delays, this week's Bannon's trial for contempt of Congress got underway. In fact, they've already released some courtroom sketches. Here are the lawyers making their opening arguments, and here's Bannon enjoying a light snack. (laughs) Until now, until now, Bannon had refused to testify to the select committee citing executive privilege, but now Bannon says he's willing to testify to the committee. Why the sudden flip? Well, one, he could go to jail if he doesn't, and apparently... The former president wrote a letter releasing Bannon from executive privilege, reportedly hoping he'll go before the committee to defend him. Finally, Bannon can tell the former president's side of the story. Mr. Chairman, this is all a simple misunderstanding. The president didn't mean to grab the steering wheel from the Secret Service. He just thought it was a big black donut. But I'm not sure what character I'm doing. I'm not sure what this voice is. This is my impression of Bannon. Here they go, big black donut. (laughs) No idea what he sounds like. Here's the thing about the former president releasing Bannon from the executive privilege claim. Turns out the former president's lawyer has already told federal investigators that the former president never actually invoked executive privilege for Bannon. I mean, wow. He really hung Bannon out to dry which isn't easy because Bannon excretes a thick layer of sebum. <laughs> I personally hope Bannon keeps talking because when he does, it's... Morto <laughs> Here's some newly leaked audio from Mother Jones where Bannon, evidently, before, before the election in 2020, he met with conservative activists right before the election and, and pay close attention to this recording because Bannon dropped some hints about his former boss's plans to subvert democracy. It's subtle, but see if you can find the moment when he spills the beanbag. Jim? What Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory, it, but it, that doesn't mean he's the winner. He's just going to say he's the winner. That's our strategy. He's just going
2: to declare himself a winner. If Trump is losing mm-hmm. by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, mm-hmm.
0: it's going to be even crazier. You he, you know, no, because he's going to sit right there and say they stole it.
1: He's explaining the whole evil plan on tape. The only way this could have been more Bond villain is if he had Joe Biden strapped to a laser table. We've got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Ethan Hunk.
0: The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Folks, my guest tonight is an actor, novelist, director, and screenwriter you know from Boyhood, First Reformed, and Moon Knight. He's now directed The Last Movie Stars, a documentary about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. One box
2: Are of you transcripts kidding? that I have. Yeah. Like, It's hundreds of thousands of pages. I'm trying to ask all my friends and to make these audios come alive. It's, it, it, it's, I'm trying to turn it into kind of like a play with voices, a community looking back. And so that's what I'm doing here with you. And Sammy Rockwell is going to read the director of Cool Hand, Luke. Laura Linney is going to do Joanne Woodward. Zoe Kazan is going to play Paul's first wife. Karen Allen is playing Joanne's stepmother. Josh Hamilton is going to read the director of The Sting. Vincent D'Onofrio is going to do John Huston. George Clooney agreed to read
1: Paul. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Ethan Hawke. (laughs) Nice to see you again. Nice to see you. Always love to have you here. Always have a good conversation. But I got to ask you about this documentary here. Tell us a little bit of what's happening in that clip there. Because I I I think... As as great as an actor as you are, we don't necessarily associate you with Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, Mm -hmm. and I'm curious how this came to be and what the heck is actually happening in that clip.
2: (laughs) What did you just show the world? Exactly. Yes, okay, that's my job to tell you. All right, where to begin? Okay, I'm in my apartment. I've finished taking a shower. The phone rings. I normally don't answer it if I don't know the number. I just, that's happened over the years. I just don't do it. But I saw it, I was like, what is this? I pick it up. AND IT'S LIKE, HI, I'M CLEA NEWMAN. I'M PAUL AND JOANNE'S DAUGHTER. Um, WE'VE MET A COUPLE OF TIMES, LIKE, OH, YEAH, HI. Um, AND SOMEBODY'S A FRIEND OF A FRIEND GAVE HER THE NUMBER, AND SHE'S LIKE, LISTEN, uh, WOULD YOU DIRECT A DOCUMENTARY ABOUT MY PARENTS? And I WAS LIKE, UH, SHOULDN'T YOU CALL A DOCUMENTARIAN? <laughs> YOU KNOW I MEAN? Uh, wow. and, yeah. um, AND SHE WAS LIKE, WELL, YOU KNOW, MY PARENTS, OVER THE YEARS, HAVE COME TO REPRESENT A KIND OF ICON OF CELEBRITY, BUT THE TRUTH IS, THEY DEDICATED THEIR LIFE TO THE PERFORMING ARTS. And that's what they're famous for, is for being great actors. Mm -hmm. And we thought it might be a cool idea if another actor directed a documentary. And so I tried to figure out how to say no, politely. What an honor. What an honor. I'm so glad you thought of me. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, 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 Sure, I'll do that. And I looked over at my wife, and she was like, oh, my God. You know, because I knew it was going to hijack my brain. You know, it's such, they're two huge careers, 50-year careers, 50-year love affairs. These are civil activists, they're family people, they're lovers, like great lovers of each other. And um, they made meaningful, substantive art for 50 years, which is what, you know, that's the church of my choice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I thought I'd have to do it. My wife then said to me, all right, I'll help you as long as you promise not to put yourself in it. Right, right. She's like, just, just don't. I just don't want you to be. Get somebody nice to do the narrator. Don't insert yourself all over it. Don't turn this <laughs> Your into some. Wife doesn't
1: think you're nice. No, she
2: thinks I'm nice. I don't know. I, she definitely. I mean, she loves me. But, but uh, uh, the, the point is, she was like, let's focus this because we'd made one other little documentary called Seymour and Introduction that we're really proud of. But she was always. I inserted myself in that documentary, and she mm-hmm. produced that one, too, and she was sure. like, I really... Th- you got to make it about them. Don't make it about you. And I was like, definitely agreed. Shake hands. Okay. This, I know this is, a, this is the longest first answer to a question I got, ever. I got nothing but time. Uh, okay, well, so here's what happened. So I'm like, all right, well, to the family, I'm like, well, what do you have? Well, they had something really amazing, which was Paul had set out to write a memoir about 1986 to 1981, and he and his best friend, Stuart Stern, who was a famous screenwriter, he wrote Rebel Without a Cause and a lot of other great movies, they were like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to interview all our closest friends. We're going to our friends. We'll interview Kazan, Altman, John Huston, Scorsese, you know, all of the great filmmakers right. that you worked with. But we'll also uh, interview your ex-wife, um, the nanny, the cleaning lady. We'll interview everybody. And, w- and Paul had this idea, like, all right, because... We don't live in a vacuum. We don't live in isolation. We live
1: in relationship to other people. And we often rewrite our own story from our own point of view and don't know the truth anymore. And
2: he wanted to do this collection of encompassing other people's points of view. Exactly. And uh, the problem is, he then got completely bored or irritated with the project, and he just got, you know, apparently took them to the dump and set them on fire. The audio tapes, right? And he so, burned all the audio tapes. Yeah. Well, he burned most of them. We found a couple, but they were unusable. And but we had the transcripts to the you know, Stuart had written them down. How so, many,
1: what, what kind of how many pages are we talking here?
2: Oh, thousands. I mean, I'm telling you, just thousands of pages of, of and that's what I'm showing Billy Crudup in that clip. So what I started doing, I was like, all right, Ethan, you're an actor. Why don't we just I don't I don't have the audio recordings, but why don't we re-record them, right? And I'll... So I got on Zoom with Billy, and I got on Zoom with Rockwell. I started with friends of mine. I said, like, just play this part, read this out loud, and I'll try to cut something together with mm. it. And then my editor... Started going, well, wouldn't you know these zoom clips are kind of fascinating? He's like, I'm really intrigued by listening to you guys talk about it. I'm like, I, I promise my wife I can't do that, dude. Like like, <laughs> like, 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 this is no, no fly zone right here. He's like, let me just try it. So we left it in as placeholders for a little while. And then, and then I screened the early cut for my wife. And she's like, it's good, you should use it, it's working. I was like, yes. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> but you call it. You call it the last, movies, the last movie stars. Mm-hmm. And why, why do you call it that?
2: Gore Vidal, uh, for those who don't know, National Book Award-winning novelist, writer, mm-hmm. thinker, extraordinaire, uh, was one of their closest friends. And he was a very radical person and a very interesting thinker. And in his transcript, when they interviewed him, that's what he called them. And I was kind of hypnotized by it. Because I was like, well, I don't really even think of them as movie stars. They're they're actors. They're not movie stars like that. And and but he went on to go that as the world is expanding and the power of cinema is changing. You know, we're we're watching things and streaming. There's a million shows come out every weekend. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, when a Paul Newman movie came out in his day, it was a giant event. Mm-hmm. You know, there was. Uh, many many exponentially less movies released each year and so it's a cultural event when somebody would make a movie and there was a lot of artistry put into it and a lot of thought put into it and he thought they were the last generation to be raised and nurtured the way that Catherine Hepburn, uh, Cary Grant, you know, the that old school Hollywood they were the last ones that did that What are you doing? I'm getting a photo of them to
1: remind everybody this uh Oh, that's them really 1961. early 1961 Yeah
2: and this is a time period, you know, what, what he goes on to say is that in the 50s, look, they were in class. Listen to this. So they're in class with Marlon Brando. Acting class, actor mm-hmm. studio, the 50s, with Marlon Brando, James Dean, Geraldine Page, Meryl Monroe, mm-hmm. Ben Gazzara. You, you know, this unbelievable... You know, it's like 52 students. They're all unbelievable, and they changed storytelling. They changed the way we made movies. That was their generation. And what he's talking about is when they started acting, there were world-famous acting teachers. You know, you had Lee Strasberg, Stella Adler, Uta Hagen, Sanford Meisner. You had famous people who teach acting. Now we're making all these movies, and nobody who teaches it is famous. It's a culture of... Celebrity as opposed to a culture that really respects the art of it. Well, let me and ask you. And that's what Gore that.
1: Vidal was getting at. Well, I'm curious what you think as somebody who is I mean, you're a movie star in your own right, but you're a well-respected actor. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you know, we know you from a lot of your independent films, which we think of as less as movie star. Movie yeah, star yeah, right. is, is, is sort of more a little glitzy than that. Um, not that you can't put it on if, you, if you, you want to. Obviously, you can be very sexy if you want to. But what <laughs> yeah. do you think? From watching this, maybe from doing this movie, do you have a different idea of, like, what the difference between a movie star and an actor is? Or is, is there a difference, and movie star is merely perception? The
2: true greats, you know, like, I mean, I hate to talk like an athlete or something, but, you know, the true first ballot Hall of Famers are the people that are both. You know, Denzel Washington is both. Paul Newman was both. And uh, there are people that rest on their image or they become kind of a brand and they're selling something and they mm-hmm. become more of a product mm-hmm. than they become a performing artist, mm-hmm. you know, where that's the focus of their life is expressing themselves. Certain people can do it at a very high level for a long time. And that's, that's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. And I think what was beautiful to me about Paul and Joanne, is Joanne was the quintessential actor's actor. She taught acting. She ran a theater company. Um, yeah, she won an Oscar. Yeah, she had a lot of those kind of ancillary elements of success, but she was a true blue lover of the craft of acting, She's telling a story. Anyway, she'd do a TV movie. She'd go in the Carol Burnett show. She'd wear a funny wig. She'd do something serious and work for Scorsese. She could do... She wanted to act. Paul... Was a cinema luminary. He is a movie star, you know. Brand, I mean, these, you ready? I'm showing you
1: another photo because I think this might be the most beautiful photograph ever taken of a man. And this is him in 60, uh, 63 in he's, Venice. Yeah, it's on his that. way to the.
2: On his way to the premiere of HUD, you know, one of the greatest movies of all time. One of the greatest, yeah, 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 that's a movie star right there. That is, that is a movie star right there. That You know, mm. when I was cutting the movie together, I accidentally put that photo in, like, 17 times. <laughs> I was like, another time, my wife was like, ah, uh, easy with that photo, okay?
1: <laughs> we have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Mr. Ethan Hawke, everybody. Stick around. <laughs>
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm sitting here with the director of the new documentary, The Last Movie Stars, Mr. Ethan Hawke. Ethan They say don't meet your heroes, Mm -hmm. and they seem like heroes to you, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you had any personal relationship with them before working on this, but what did you learn about them, and is there anything that you wish you hadn't learned? That's interesting.
2: Um, It's what I do. (laughs) Hey, baby. (laughs) We should go pro with this act. Mm -hmm. Um, No, okay, so I had a real... It's probably why Clea Newman might have thought of me is that... For a brief period of my life, I was sent to a school in New Jersey, and on alumni weekend, one of the first, you know, the fall when school's just starting up, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward walk right by me, across the campus. I was a new student, and I guess one of their kids went there. Like, I had no idea. I was like, that's Paul Newman. And and they, in my mind, were... I I just can't tell you what they... They they symbolized a life well-lived. I mean, he was... Everything I wanted to do with my life, and she was like such a real formidable person, man. and you felt it as they walked. I'm like, wow, they're real. They have kids and like breathe and stuff, you know. And and I watched them, and then I got more interested in his career, and in her career, and I started. And so I was falling in love with acting right in the f- when the final bloom of his career really happened: The Verdict, Color of Money, Nobody's Fool. It's very rare in an artist's life that you know, that they are achieving their high watermark in their 70s. It's just, it's, it's rare. Mm-hmm. And it was really admirable, and you, you, you see her influence on him. And, and, you, and then as you look more closely, you see his influence on her. And that's why you end up getting to this point of like, you know these words like actor, movie star? They're really just labels. They loved each other. She was an actor's actor, he was a movie star. But they were just human beings, you know? And they were doing their best, which is what we all do. That's not your answer. The question is, what, did I learn anything I didn't want to? Um, they worked really hard. What do you mean? They worked all the time. You know, they put a lot of thought into what they did. I'm constantly meeting. You know, somebody backstage was telling me that you know, they presented an award to him. They, they were a member. They gave away so much more money than they had. You know, it's like one thing you hear, like, these billionaires or whatever, they gave away $100 million. These people gave away hundreds of millions of dollars, and, you know, they didn't have very much. They gave away exponentially more money than they possessed. They were radical in that way. They saw themselves as members of the community. When I started a theater company with my friends, I was, like, 21, I went up to Joanne at the premiere of Quiz Show. Okay, this is a true story, like, so... Redford's movie, and so Paul and Joanne were there. I didn't dare talk to Paul, but I went up to her and told her I was trying to start a theater company, and she said, well, have you, do you have non-for-profit status yet? I said, I do, I do. She goes, can you prove it? And I was like, well, I'm definitely not lying. I mean, I can't prove it to you right now, but I definitely have it. She said, all right, well, this is the number of my assistant. Call me, and we'll make a donation. And I was thinking, like, 100 bucks, <laughs> you know? And, and we got $10,000 from them, and then we got $20,000 the next year. Holy y- y-
1: and this is just—I'm just—I started a not-for-profit theater when I was 21. Yeah, well, that's why that we get is along. Extraordinary. It was—it was a, was a game-changing.
2: Changing, exactly. I, mean, that's I could what I build mean. a production off that budget. Right. You, you know, and it was when you see like I found my old playbill, and when you see like the list of donors, like it's mom, dad, Susie's, you know, all our parents. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the final donor, because you know you do it list, and what's the thing? And, and there's only one, you know. You know Paul, and, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. That's the one. They were our biggest donor by far, but I just I mentioned it only because that's the impact they had on me, and my friends and my group of people. And they were doing that every day, all over the
1: city, all over the country. And you didn't want to hear that. Because I didn't you, want to hear it because it, it accuses you of not working hard enough. Well, I, I, we could be better, Steve. <laughs> we can be better. We can be, we be better. Can be better. Um, We can. That's tough. It's tough to know. You could be working That's harder. what I
2: mean. What I found out, I didn't, you want to find out, oh, you know, what a bomb he took off five years in Cancun and did this. He's like, no, he was like working to, for nuclear disarmament. No, she's trying, you know, in the 70s, she's working to stop, you know, to get people to recycle. Yeah.
1: They're, I mean, they're, they were out there all the time. We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. We'll be talking to more Ethan Hawke when we come back, everybody. <laughs>
0: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, everybody, look, it's Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Mr. Hawke, I want to talk about something that you're, you're, you're thinking of doing that's, that's out there. Uh, and I really like this idea. Tell the people about this letter. I'd like to know. I don't know much about it yet. All right, but well, I pitched, Stephen,
2: a- I pitched Stephen this idea. I... I- I don't want to speak for you, but I I, I know that you're you were raised Catholic.
1: I'm sti- I am still. You're, you're Catholic. a Catholic. It took. It took. It took.
2: And I um I am Episcopalian, and so we're one Pope away from we're, being right. We're wannabe Catholics. That's right. My mother always said we're wannabe Catholics. We just don't want to do the hard work, and we want to be able to get divorced. Okay, that's our only thing. And so I was always raised on the great Catholic writers and thinkers, and when. Pope Francis was elected, I was really impressed that he took the name of Francis of Assisi, you know, yeah. I, because for it, when you read about, you know, the great Christian thinkers throughout time, you know, Francis of Assisi is really mind-staggering person. And I had this idea that I wanted to write the Pope and say to him that, Francis of Assisi marched across the desert to a battlefield in the Fifth Crusade to try to have audience with um, the sultan. And he did this huge act of peace, and he should have been killed, but the sultan didn't kill him. The sultan thought he struck him as a very holy man and took care of him, actually healed his eyes and took care of him. They didn't... Francis wasn't able to end the war, but it was a, ma- a beautiful act of peace. And I feel like Pope Francis should take his namesake, and if he would do it, if he would lead a march from Belarus to Maripol, you, you, you know, and we would all go, and we could bring the refugees to our home, and, like priests and rabbis and we could all go and say you have to stop killing children you have to stop killing i don't want to the choice shouldn't be whether to escalate the war or for democracy to fail i feel like the grown-ups of the world need to stand up and say you're not allowed to bomb and kill children you're not allowed to do it you've got to behave like a grown-up and 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 that way we could focus our energy on taking care of the planet and address the real crises that are happening right now instead of making them up.
1: And the, the issue being that it's hard to find a moral authority that people can agree I mean, exactly, on.
2: Exactly, thank you. The reason why him... I keep thinking about where the voice for nonviolence is. Where is Martin Luther King? Where is Mother Teresa? Where is Nelson Mandela? Where are the voices of people to ask us to join together? Um, and I feel like he, he's one of the very few people I can think of that, um, that has that moral authority. Send it, man. Yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm kind of sending it through the airwaves right now because... I'm sure he's watching. You know, the I'm file, sure the
1: Pope is the watching. The
2: file at the Vatican website, you know, where you send it in, I feel like it could easily sure. get lost. <laughs>
1: Observatorio Romano reviews yeah. this show every yeah. night. I'm sure I'm they're gonna, watching.
2: I'm going to translate it, in, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna
1: to reach him. Ethan, lovely to see you. Thank you so much for being Thanks. here. <laughs> the Last Movie Stars is available Thursday on HBO Max. This has been The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Pod Show, leave us a 5-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 1135-1035 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube.
0: New CBS Sunday.
1: You collect rewards, right?
0: This is how I make my living. When something is lost... Everyone's looking for something. He finds it.
2: You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay.
0: Justin Hartley stars... You survive. You make quick,
2: smart decisions. And you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool.
0: Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.
2: Plus. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount+.
1: Cal Fire's coming to you!
2: Don't miss TV's hottest show,
0: Fire Country. This is a high-complexity rescue with a low chance of success.
1: Follow the rules then you shave another day off your
2: sentence critics call it explosive and pure entertainment i'm a fella i'm not fit to be anything else
1: you're not an
2: inmate you're a firefighter bring it on fire country new episode friday 9 8 central on cbs
0: and now streaming on paramount plus